It's October 12th, 2023, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Matthew. And we're your friendly neighborhood architects being geeky as we want to be. Hello again, everyone. Hope everyone is doing well and is it completely freaked out by what's going on in the Middle East? Every time, every time I see, uh, as much as the human tragedy goes on, and I don't know about you, Matthew, but every time I see war like this, all I can think is there's going to be nothing left. There's going to be no buildings left. It's just, just, just so indiscriminate. You know, the whole Ukraine thing always gets me because there are, I think, entire towns that are just now gone. And aside from everyone being killed and, and displaced, it's just on top of that, they have nothing to come back to. So. So anyway, I just been one of those weird, weird weekends and start to the week. Oh yeah, well, and the the heritage lost because I know in Ukraine there were a lot of historic and ornate churches that that got blown up or, or demolished or destroyed or, and then and even in past wars like in Syria, so much was lost in terms of history there with the just ancient ruins and stuff like that. It really is hard to see all that is lost. Yeah. It's, it's, but, uh, and again, you know, on top of that, all the, all the human life that's been lost is just, is just awful, but we we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> that's all, uh, all about that for right now. We're going to do something, uh, I think a little quirky today, maybe we always, cause because it's in the name, the architecture geeks. So there's always these little articles that pop up about things that I don't know is really on anybody's radar, except maybe the people who are working on it, or or you know the researchers, or sometimes the product reps. But every once in a while, we get these little little articles that pop up, or we or we go somewhere and we see something, we think, well, that's really cool. So we thought we wanted to we take it today's podcast and and maybe share some of that stuff because you may not may not have heard the, of this stuff either, and so. Why not share it with your our happy listeners, or hopefully moderately happy listeners, or you'll just turn us off and go on to whatever's going on next. But either way, we're going to talk about some of these things. And the first thing that I wanted to talk about today was I was at the AIA National Conference, and I sat in on a learning session because, of course, we have to get our CEUs, and and they've started doing the the health safety welfare credits on the expo floor. So there's all this noise going on, and they stick you in this sort of walled off space on the on the expo floor, and you're supposed to somehow pay attention to what the guy's talking about. And I thought, well, I'll sign up for this. It could be interesting. It could not. Whatever. And it turned out it was really quite interesting. It was it was a product from a company called GAF, and it really was addressing one of those things that if you if you live in a city. You experience this a lot going outside in the summertime, and the heat is just radiating off the pavement. I mean, it is hot. It's bad enough it's 110 degrees outside, but then you're trying to walk somewhere, or you get out of your car and you hit the the parking lot pavement, and it's just sweltering. So they have a product. They they came out with this product that it's just essentially a coating that you put down on top of the street, and what it actually does. And I thought this is really I I don't know all the tech tech behind it. And I think we're going to try and have the product, um, not the product rep, but but the guy from GAF who was talking about this, try to get him on the podcast because it really was fascinating. But what it does, the coating actually brings the surface temperature of the pavement down. So you're not having all of this heat being trapped in the concrete and affecting your car and affecting you personally. And, and they've actually done, uh, what's it called? 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to think of it, Matthew. Where they do the uh, it's like they take the infrared picture of of a surface. What's it called? It's thermal imaging, I guess is what it would be called. Okay, thermal image. So they do these this thermal imaging of these surfaces, and they did showed one of, I think it was a basketball court, like in an urban area or in, in a neighborhood somewhere. So they did the thermal imaging of this basketball court, and oh my God, <laughs> it was like, why would you play out there? It has got to be miserably hot. But then they came back and did this coating, and the great part is they can do it in multiple colors. So they were able to, to really color the court itself and the temperature drop was just i did the thermal imaging afterward that's the temperature drop was amazing to see between the two just between the two images so it's one of those things that you think about okay how much how much concrete so you go to the mall or you go to a walmart how much of that is nothing but parking and and we've talked about this like with the stadiums think about all of the sea of cars are <laughs> around football stadiums, and it's nothing but concrete absorbing heat and doing nothing but putting heat back up into the atmosphere. And you think about that, if, if you coat that, how much of a change that would be. And gosh, just even going to a football game, how much more comfortable that would be to have something like that covering the pavement that would actually reduce the temperature for you yeah well and and, and what you're describing is, is the heat island effect that that is increasingly more dangerous to cities than i guess a lot of people realize because so not only is the all of that pavement contributing or uh, trapping all that heat but on top of that it's actually preventing rain from being able to it, it's contributing to like especially in Dallas we have in recent years experienced the a heat cap and it's just a, a bubble of heat and and, and I, I'm doing a horrible job of explaining it the the meteorologists can do it so much better but basically it's just this dome of heat that just sits over a portion of an area and just prevents any kind of rain from reaching that area and dallas for the last few years has had a couple of really miserable heat caps where you know it's 100 degree weather there's no end of that in sight and there's zero rain to help that and and maybe provide us some relief and so being able to kind of turn down the knob on the stove that is the heat island effect it could be a very powerful tool to to help regain some normality in the environments that we've created, which, which are basically just cooking us alive at this point. Yeah. The, uh, one of the thing, one of the things that was really interesting to me was them talking about doing it on a street, like an actual, you know, just a surface street, neighborhood street and the people who have to park on that street every day and how much the reduction in the heat causes less stress on their vehicles so when they're getting into, you know, they're getting into their vehicle to go somewhere, the heat inside the vehicle actually is less. So it's cooler inside the car even because you don't have all of that heat radiating back up. But it was, and I'm probably really simplifying it, which is honestly why I, I want to get this guy onto the podcast because it was just fascinating. And there's, there's all this data that, that from studies they've done. And it was just, and, and again, it's one of those things that, you go to conference and you sign up for these sessions thinking, well, I have to get my HSW, blah, 
<laughs> so this is probably going to be really boring and I'm going to just try to stay awake through it and I'll just get through it, whatever. But they started talking. I'm like, okay, well, this is some really interesting shit. And it's, it's, I don't know if it's weird, but you see this stuff in the brochures or like in the, in the conference schedules and you think, eh, this isn't going to be interesting at all. And it turns out to be just something that you're thinking, wow, this is, this is not what I expected. And, and certainly wasn't expecting to want him to be on a podcast. So yeah, but, but again, it's, it's those little things that you find that you don't expect to find that we thought would be kind of fun to talk about. And there's one that you sent me yesterday about, and I, I thought really interesting article too, about electrified concrete. As, as anybody who has listened for any length of time to podcast knows is like, I'm really into putting the high tech into architecture, regardless of what it is. I, I have a VR setup that I've been able to put my projects into. I scan sites and buildings with drones. Like I, I'm, I'm able to do a lot of really cool stuff with a lot of really cool tech in architecture. And so this, this particular article really tickled that, that part of the brain. So, and what we're, what I'm describing is, is the article was talking about how researchers have been able to use basic materials, concrete and uh, a pigments that has been used on cave drawings is called uh, carbon black. And they've been able to use these two very basic common materials that you find every day, everywhere, and made a supercapacitor that you can put into the foundation of a house. And so your the foundation of your house could then become the battery which powers everything in it and and what was really cool about it is they said that it can store i think up to an entire day's use of electric i said that wrong no 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 you're you're you're, it's it's a a, and i think they said the entire day of power is electricity but it's it's like i think they were saying 10 kilowatts yeah yeah it was like it could store up to 10 kilowatts of energy which is which is how much a an average residential house in the United States uses. And, and you combine, you contrast that with Tesla's power wall, which, you know, it's a pretty, pretty big thing that you have to hang on to a wall and, and, but it can only power your house for maybe half a day if you're lucky. So it's, it's a, it's this really cool piece of technology that combines the high tech of, oh, maybe we want to put solar panels on our house, maybe attach a wind turbine, maybe use some geothermal for whatever. And so you combine all of that high-tech aspect with, and now let's feed it into our foundation. And that's where all of our power for the day will live. And and the, the drawback to supercapacitors is that on average, compared to a regular battery, I think they lose like 20% of their charge of over the course of a day versus a lithium ion battery, which we're all familiar with, which can only lose, which only loses about maybe two to 3% over the course of a day. But if you have one as big as your house, that loss isn't all that much, especially when you consider it's going to power everything. Oh, it, it was just really, really cool to see. And, and just the fact that they're able to use like stupid materials like concrete and this this carbon black uh, pigment and that and scale it up to a point where you can where they're thinking eventually that you can put use it as a foundation like that to me is really cool 
Yeah, it was it was fascinating to read just because you think about because they're, they're also talking too about if they can get it scaled up correctly because right now it's a very very tiny scale. But as they develop it, if they can get it scaled up to that size, talking about using it in roadways to power electrical or to recharge electric vehicles. I mean, it just it <laughs> it seems to have the potential to do a lot if they can get it to work on a larger scale. Because, like you said, it's 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 the and and I think the other issue with the with the capacity is the bigger it gets, the more it wants to lose some of its capacity. So the the bigger scale it gets, the more it wants to lose that. But the thing, only thing I kept thinking about with the roads was because I I don't know where it is, how it is everywhere else, but in Texas, if you put a, put down a concrete road, the first thing that's going to happen is someone's going to put blacktop on top of it because we want to you know protect the concrete. So. <laughs> to me, it's kind of like, well, it'd be great if we could electrify the roads. Oh, wait, we can't because we're going to blacktop it. But yeah, it was it was interesting to read it and and think that this is potentially where things could be headed. And again, using using renewable energies to power it, even if it's just your own house. You know, you're like you said, a wind turbine or something to actually power a wind turbine that's going to power your foundation, which will in turn power your house. I, it just seems so so out there, and you know nowadays we think, ooh, you know, technology. Look what my smartphone can do, and what all it can connect to. I, th- I think my my friend Bill's house that has like, I mean, he's got a this everything running through his hub, and everything has an app on it, and everything's you know, he had to change something out and had to to reconnect all of his lights in the house because they went from one type to. And here we are, you know, we think that's so so cool and slick, and now we're talking about actually having a concrete foundation that will actually provide power. So it's a, it's a big, big leap. But the other interesting thing about the concrete, too, is you don't think of concrete as being really, I don't know, significant as far as, you know, it, it, it takes a lot to create. It takes a lot of power to do that, um, to, 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 to create it, to um, manufacture it. So... You don't always think about this. That's going to be my first building material, especially for the outside of a building. But a firm in Houston partnered with uh, another company to create these concrete walls that actually are cooler than an average wall. So it's it's they have it figured out so that more heat radiates away from the wall than a typical concrete wall. And they've done it by creating sort of this corrugated pattern on the surface. And if you think about all of the tilt wall concrete buildings that are, you know, you walk in these warehouse areas and it's just these, it's nothing but concrete tilt wall, then you have the potential to, you know, think about how much, how much heat those things are putting out. And they've created this concrete that actually puts out, or I guess really, it doesn't absorb the, the level of heat. There's more radiating off of it versus being absorbed into it. The company that had them had the architect do this, the the builder, they said without even the air without the air conditioning even running in their retail space, they could walk into the empty space and it was significantly cooler inside. So it's it's, you know, as much as we complain about concrete really absorbing all this heat, now you have a product that's really keeping it from actually penetrating the building. So the walls themselves walls themselves stay cooler. It requires less air conditioning on the part of the building. So you're using less carbon. I mean, it's just a sort of sort of ripple effect. The thing I liked about this particular article is that it's using that same material, which is which is concrete. And instead of 
instead of hearing another story about, oh, concrete's so bad for you, it's doing all this. Instead, they found a way to make concrete work for the building rather than against it. And like you said, being able to use concrete as a cooling material. And and you can, to some extent, if you if you make that concrete wall like 12 inches thick, of course, it's going to be able to cool your building because you know it's going to just absorb so much heat throughout the day that it's never going to penetrate more than like the first five or six inches of that wall. But they've been able to make concrete into this thin material that is able to both look good and provide some passive cooling, which which doesn't even use any electricity or any kind of it's 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 dumb it's just dumb technology it's it's (laughs) it's basic it's it's as basic as you can get and and to be able to provide that level of cooling that's really cool no pun intended yeah that's that's the amazing part is it's it is a very basic material it's not like they've added a bunch of mixtures to it or done something special with it it's simply concrete they've just changed the pattern of it so that there's more surface to push the heat back out. Yeah, it, it's and again, like you said, if if you, the wall was 12 inches thick, that'd be a different different story. But it's not. So so yeah, it's it's really cool. But but the thing that that always said, and I we wanted to end with something that was just sounds so silly, but I I just cracked up when you sent me this because we're talking about mood roofs and. If you if you're my age and you remember mood rings from being a kid, and you probably do too, Matthew. This is one of those things that I was like, "Oh my God, it's like mood rings, but it's for a building." So so we've covered <laughs> so we've covered the walls, foundation, the 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 street. So so why not better way to find a way to cool a house down than to focus on the roof? We we've got everything else here, and so this was really cool. So researchers in China were inspired by a chameleon which changes its color to adjust its internal body temperature so like and of course everybody knows that lighter temp lighter colored whether regard if it's clothing or siding lighter colored materials will reflect more light and heat from a surface and darker materials will absorb that heat. And so this chameleon is able to change its coloring from a light gray to a dark brown, uh, depending on the time of day and what's and the and the weather to maintain its body temperature. And so they used they they used a similar technique. They they created these, they're called thermochromic microparticles. And oh, that's a mouthful. But basically what they do is they react naturally to changes in the out, outdoor temperature. So if it's hotter outside, these, these particles that can get, that get sprayed onto a building will change color from, if it's hotter, they turn white. If it's, it's, if it's cooler, they turn, they turn a darker, darker gray. And so the shifting from a light gray to a darker gray will help the building adjust over the course of the day, whether it's when it's uh, especially, and this works well in houses or in, in places that have a large temperature swing throughout the day, or even in, in places that have really hot summers, but also really cold winters. Like I, I mean, here in Texas over the past few years, especially, I mean, we've had 
you know, 110 degree summers. But then, you know, in February, we get a, a zero degree storm that knocks everybody's power out and, and threatens threaten, threatens a lot of the, the surrounding area. So something like this could be valuable in, in helping mitigate some of that. And in these types of places where it gets hot in the summer and cold in the winter, the scientists estimated that this type of coating could help save an additional 20% on their energy costs compared to other just generic reflective coatings. And so that to me was really impressive. Oh yeah. Especially in these like mid-rise apartment apartment buildings, or like if you're in New York and you've got all these flat roof, you know, quote unquote flat roof buildings, to be able to have something like that that's going to mitigate temperature change and really bring the bring the cooling in the building down quite a bit. You know, if you're sitting on the top floor, that's that's gotta be awesome. <laughs> So you're not you're not just baking in the summer and freezing in the wintertime. But yeah, it's it's one of those things I'm like, okay, can they do it like so where it goes from like blue to purple to pink to red? Because you know, that'd be kind of cool. But I guess really, you know, just to be able to go from that light gray to dark gray or from a white to dark gray, depending on the the temperature, time of day, that sort of thing. I think that's one of those things that and it's so simple. That's the thing that gets me like most of this stuff was well, except for maybe the electrified concrete is really something that seems really simple, you know? It's it's not not super complicated to achieve this and and I think we don't most people don't know about this stuff because again it's these weird little articles that pop up and of course you being a geek and me being a geek and we're like, "Oh wow, this is really cool." Your average homeowner doesn't know about this stuff. Yeah, well and 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 they're all trying to address and in and, and this particular instance, we, we found a, a common theme. Like they're all trying to address heat gain and, and energy loss in a building. And, and, it's, and it's a pretty big deal because, you know, buildings are responsible for about 40% of global carbon emissions with, you know, a large chunk of that being from heating and cooling their interiors, especially as uh, climate change has rapidly change the environment that we were living in. And so to, to have these little bits here and there that like, Oh, this can help with this. It's like, like these types of changes once implemented will add up. And, and so the, the each one individually might seem small, but cumulatively it, it can provide a interesting change to our built environments. Well, well, and, I think for me, it becomes this thing of, you know, we're talking about the the change in the climate and the potential for people to more and more need air conditioning and how much that puts back in the environment. And it's these simple, simple things that that have a way of hopefully mitigating some of that. I mean, even, even if they can figure out the, the electrified concrete aspect of it, that's something that if the house itself can store the energy it needs without having to draw a ton of power from an electrical grid, then that's hopefully going to reduce, you know, reduce power draw and all that. I mean, it just, it, and even, even you think about a house, you know, we're talking about a house foundation, but imagine a warehouse foundation, all that concrete, if, if it's possible and then they can do that. then I mean, I, I think it's, it means a lot. I mean, there's a lot of potential here and it's like, again, it's these tiny little articles that we don't, the average person doesn't see. So to be able to to come across this stuff and share some of some of this stuff is kind of fun. And and if you guys are out there have these little things that you've come across that you just think, oh, it's and and some of these articles don't take a minute to read. But if you if you have one or two that you've really come across and thought was really fascinating, 
please feel free to send us a link. We'd love to look at them and, and maybe we have a come, come back around and have another episode of the weird and funky uh, architecture stuff that's going on out there and the technology stuff. But you can always email me, Larry at spotteddogarchitecture.com. And of course, find me on Instagram and Twitter at spotteddogarch. And you can find the podcast at architecturegeeks.com. And you can find me at adding arch on social media and at addingarchitecture.com. But I think that's where we're going to wrap it up for the day. Thanks for tuning into our geekiness again. And we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.